0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner, and I'm excited to be with you again today here. Uh, You know, in the 18 months since the since the coronavirus pandemic really set in, we've seen a lot of interesting activity within the financial markets, right? So if we flash back to you know March of 2020, we watched you know stocks, bonds, really a wide array of investments take massive hits as you know naturally a significant amount of uncertainty you know came into the world. But shortly after there, we also saw kind of an equally as interesting uh, phenomenon, and that was a a rapid rebound on Wall Street, which didn't quite match the the boots on the ground, you know, economic recovery of the country in the world. Right? We saw stocks rebounded much faster than you know actual businesses did, and that still continues to be the case today. So. You know, given that we've seen that kind of collapse and then recovery, and then combined with how accessible it is to jump into the financial markets today, you know, whether you're trading stocks, maybe looking at alternative investments like crypto, you know, I thought it it was worthy of sitting down and talking with y'all about the differences between trading and investing, Um, especially as we're kind of hitting. What I feel to be a sort of inflection point in this sort of recovery process, right? We had the you know the panic, uh, the panic down you know period there last March, and now we've seen you know a pretty quick you know sharp you know upturn uptick coming back, and so it's it's presented c- combining that with a few other factors I'll get into a little bit later on, I think it's presented a very unique set of circumstances that while they can be you know, leveraged or you can be opportunistic and take advantage of, of the current moment, I think it presents a lot of dangers and misconceptions for folks who may be a little bit newer to the investing space um, and just kind of getting their exposure to the financial markets. So we're going to focus in on, like I said, the differences between trading and investing, um, kind of talk about some of the nuances of each and uh, when we'll go from there. So Along those lines, you know, we go back to March of 2020 and things, you know, things shut down. Folks are at home. The government moves to, you know, put out a lot of stimulus money. Um, We saw more people than than ever, you know, opening up brokerage accounts, jumping into the stock market, day trading, doing things like that um, because they had more time and they had, you know, cash on their hands, right? Part of the issue with that was, you know, it was those folks jumping in. Is it's a good thing? I'm 100% an advocate of folks getting exposure to the stock market and just learning about investing, right? I think it gets a little bit risky when when folks are you know jumping in and they don't quite understand the differences between trading and investing, and they don't understand you know the full scope or the the full amount of risk they're taking on, right? So. That's why I know in particular for the younger demographic who is you know who you would know, like to target with these podcasts um, that is more um, kind of more top of mind than ever It's just understanding if you're in the stock market, how are you you know what sort of plays are you making what's your strategy what's risk reward things like that are important to stay cognizant of and simply because you are day trading doesn't necessarily mean you are investing right so I just wanted to take some time today to to talk through those two and just kick us off with some of the basics here and and in differentiating investing versus trading right so when when i say investing and in, in traditionally when most people you know refer you know what they refer to investing is uh, is taking you know existing capital that you have and you're putting it towards something with the plans of you know generating additional value and or you know and making more money increasing your wealth things like that. I'd say investing usually comes with this connotation that has a longer term focus, right? Where we're talking years, potentially decades versus days, weeks, months, right? I would say with investing too, of course, big caveat is, you know, your strategy can can vary different, you know, very wildly. There's a lot of different investments you can get into. But I'd say a typical, you know, long-term investment portfolio of stocks and things like that, uh, generally doesn't change very often. Um, you know, I'd say from, you know, kind of my research and from what a lot of, you know, financial advisors, which caveat again, I'm not a financial advisor. Um, you know, you typically wouldn't see a whole lot more than like a quarterly rebalancing things like that within a long-term investment portfolio. So investing is looking more at, at kind of longer term plays, longer term value, trading has a much you know narrower kind of shorter focus right so it's going to be you know buying selling you know stocks shares based on you know specific events maybe there's momentum and there's definitely there's a wide array of strategies within kind of that trading bubble as well right so you might be you might be day trading you might be you know swing trading for you know 3 or 4 weeks for a particular catalyst coming up for a company right um, maybe you're even involving some, you know, playing some options as part of that, or things like we saw back in January and continue to see kind of sporadically, like those, you know, those epic short squeezes, right? So p- playing, you know, moves like that is generally going to be more on the trading side of things, and it doesn't always reflect a a company's value, right? Like we saw, GameStop, you know, went from a sub ten dollars stock up to you know hundreds of dollars, and now it's you know still fluctuated pretty wildly, but you know, that was what kicked that off was more of a kind of an underlying mechanic of the stock market, right? Because so many people had shorted it, enough people bought it up that it triggered the shorts to get out, which pushed the price higher and higher, right? So that wasn't necessarily that GameStop revolutionized their business. It was more that the market forces kind of went to work on the share price. So it's it's good to know kind of what you're doing with your portfolio, Right. Are you, are you investing? Are you picking companies or funds that you're confident in, in the long run, are going to be beneficial? Or are you looking to, you know, splash around with kind of individual stocks? Maybe you know there's going to be, a, you know, a biotech company in two months is releasing data on a study, and you want to, you know, you're confident that that's going to be positive data, and their stock price is going to go up. Those sort of things would fall more kind of within the, the trading sphere, so why, why am I kind of talking about this, right? I alluded to this, you know, at the beginning, but as we got into the COVID shutdowns, we saw more folks, you know, get involved in, the, in, the, in kind of the trading side of things than ever before. A lot of folks got laid off looking for, you know, something to do, a way to make some money, and they kind of jumped into, into trading. So we've seen this massive rise of retail investors which retail is, you know, everyday folks like you and I, for somebody, you know, something like a fund or, you know, a big, you know, a big group that has a lot of capital, those are usually considered institutional investors. So difference is, you know, kind of, you know, access, how much capital they have, as well as their, you know, expertise in the investing space. Um, We've seen, you know, a crazy rise in retail access. So, You know, we have we've seen pretty much the elimination of of commissions on you know executing stock trades. So I remember, you know, probably close to ten years ago or so now was when you know I first started hearing about investing and and stuff like that. And I remember I can't remember specifically which broker it was, but they're looking at the various fees. And it would be like, you know, oh, you wanna, you know, you want to execute a trade, it's gonna be, you know, five to eight dollars a trade. So for somebody like me who at that time, you know, that's like my early high school or so, um, yeah, you're only talking about maybe you have a couple hundred bucks to to invest in in the stock market. You don't have any crazy money. And it just wasn't feasible where okay, if I wanted to buy, you know, a hundred dollars worth of Apple, then I then have to pay an eight dollar fee to the broker. So now it's a hundred and eight dollars. And you think about how that affects your your returns too, because now for you to break even not only does Apple have to go up, you know, your hundred dollars has to become one hundred and eight. You have to pay a you'd have to pay a commission when you sell too. So think about another eight dollars. So in theory, you'd have to get a sixteen percent return on your investment there just to break even, right? And that's how it used to be. And it's a little bit, you know, it's exaggerated there because I'm talking about a hundred dollars. So if you had a hundred thousand, you know, it's not eight dollars isn't as as pertinent, right? So. Its just meant to underscore that commissions really didn't handicap retail investors because you had you had to do so much better returns wise to make it worth investing, right? Otherwise, you were just losing all your returns and potentially capital to you know commissions that weren't doing you any good there. So having you know no commission trading, also, just mobile apps, right? It's now see a lot of people. You're able to just, you know, anywhere you are, sign in your your account, your app, and then you're you're you know, buying, selling, you're you're doing you're doing stock, you're doing options, you know, you're doing a wide array of investment activity, you know, from your from basically your pocket. So having that easy access, reducing the cost, and then of course the stimulus, you know, put a lot of money out there to folks, and not necessarily everybody needed it to cover everyday expenses. Um, if you remember, I talked about this on a podcast quite a while back now. Um, but I talked about one strategy being, you know, use your stimulus check to, you know, fund a Roth IRA under the theory of, you know, Hey, it's, it's post-tax money, right? You're not getting tax on stimulus check. And if you, you know, you put money into a Roth, that's post-tax. Um, so any investment gains there, you know, aren't taxed. So, there's things like that where it opened the op- door for you know people had a little bit of extra you know essentially spending money they couldn't go out and spend it they had more time on their hands so why not throw it in the market and and see if they can grow it so that really has prompted this this sharp rise in in trading another element of it too is the the incredibly quick rebound on on the Wall Street side of things right so between really the market essentially trying to remember exactly, because I the Dow got down to something like 17,000, maybe 18,000 um, at its worst. Um, and now it's, you know, well, it's it's more than doubled since then, All right? So we're talking in roughly, you know, that same kind of 15, 18 month span, we've seen the markets not only go from like a 30, 40% hit, they then turn around and doubled from their, from their bottoms. So it's been perfect timing for folks to get a little bit of a false sense of encouragement on the trading front, right? Because if you're a beginner, you threw some stimulus money in, and without doing a whole lot of work or research, you've now doubled it, right? And that that's awesome. Of course, you know, making money is never a bad thing. But at the same time, you know, you think of that line where, you know, a rising tide, you know, lifts all boats. That's essentially what the market has been since the vast majority of these new traders Or these new investors have jumped in, so it's there's certainly you know there's folks that have that are doing really well due to skill. There is a big luck component in just timing that's tied in. So that's something that reason I wanted to bring it up was specifically for that is as we're kind of reaching you know what may or may not be an inflection point. And I'm not saying there's an economic crisis or downturn about to happen. I think we've just been riding super hot since. We bottomed out last March and it's worth being cognizant of the risk in your portfolio and understanding that stocks, you know, investments don't always go up, right? I mean, if you've, if you rode the wave of kind of the recent, you know, crypto roller coaster, you know, Bitcoin got up to whatever it was, 60 or so, and then went all the way down below 30 and now it's back to 50, right? You're kind of getting, that's a microcosm, um, obviously an extremely volatile microcosm, of what you know, kind of economic cycles are, but it's something that we all should be aware of and kind of understanding and how that you know pertain, how that relates to our our investment portfolios. And if you're in the trading space, you know, really understanding what you're trading, as opposed to you know just throwing money out there, hoping that something's going to skyrocket, right? Along those lines, I've kind of hinted at this. I think. A lot of the newer traders might lack some semblance of financial literacy, and that's not a knock on anyone's you know knowledge or capabilities. I think it's just we saw again, folks were bored at home. They saw oh, people on social media are you know doing really well trading. Like oh, I, I can follow what they're doing and you know throw some money at it, and oh look, you know I kind of kind of got lucky. And then it it does build that you know false false sense of confidence to to an extent, and not really you know if you don't know what you're doing, you're really only setting yourself up for failure, right? And then when you get blindsided, you're you're just not really going to know, you know, you're not going to know what hit you at that point. So, you know, I think, and mentioning, you know, like Twitter, just social media in general, you know, Reddit's up there too. Um, I think those, at least, you know, this is more kind of my personal take on it. I think they're helpful tools to an extent, What's been the most beneficial aspect of that for me is getting exposure to different methods, perspectives, and companies that I previously wouldn't heard of. So, yeah, I wouldn't have heard of. Um, so, like one instance for me is you know like say like the biotechnology space. It's like you know I'm not. I've always been a business guy. I'm not. I don't have a medical background and seeing, you know, it, it's hard for somebody who isn't, you know, well-versed in that space to kind of understand what, what is good and what's bad. Right. So for example, you might have one company that, you know, they come out and they say, Oh, our, you know, our, the effectiveness of our, of our latest treatment is, you know, 24%. And that's, you know, that's stock doubles. Like it's, it's amazing. that great results. And then another company might be, Oh, you know, Our treatment was seventy-eight percent effective, and it craters, and that's where you know being well-versed and and kind of knowing the space is a little bit tricky because in the you know the twenty-four percent, maybe maybe there was no previous treatment, and it was pretty much for patients in that fell in that bucket that was a terminal diagnosis, right? So twenty-four percent success, saving you know twenty-four percent of patients' lives is absolutely a game changer. Versus maybe there was a treatment that's eighty-five percent effective. So when you say you're seventy-eight percent, you're really just a you know a weaker substitute, right? So then it doesn't you're really not adding a whole lot of value on that front. So I think that's where it's been good for me and been good for a lot of people. Is to just learn, kind of see what some other folks are doing, incorporate that into their own in their own strategies. But where it gets dangerous is blindly following. You know, folks on the internet and, you know, especially on the you know, the anonymous side, it's, you know, you, you don't know people's background. You don't know if they're even, you know, real individuals. Um, there's definitely opportunities to kind of fall into um, manipulated plays, right? People can, you know, theoretically create a whole network of fake accounts to, hype up a particular stock. So you jump in and they really are just kind of pumping and dumping on you. So it's a mixed bag. I think, again, it's more of a, I consider it like a social media is like a secondary or tertiary kind of resource, like a learning center. Um, Not necessarily what I would bank your entire, your entire, you know, investment or brokerage account on. So Kind of keep that keep that in mind as you you know if you are using those kind of following some traders out there to you know understand kind of what's their what's their end goal and see like you know what are some things you can glean from them to apply without you know just blindly kind of buying into to what they're what they're putting out there. Um, you know I also mentioned this for a lot of the folks who have who jumped in last year haven't really seen much in terms of, of economic cycles, right? We've seen you know, individual sectors or, um, you know, various types of plays get really hot. Like you'd say, like uh, probably a few months ago, all the, you know, kind of quote unquote reopening stocks really heated up. Um, but we haven't seen a true uh, kind of economic downturn um, from at least from a Wall Street perspective since, you know, the great recession back in 08 09 because covid really turned out to be while it was very drastic and you know very very punitive it wasn't re- it, again from a financial market standpoint it didn't really turn into a permanent thing it was just a, essentially it was a speed bump, right? We you know, we dropped for a couple months and then just went on a tear all the way back up plus some. So For if if you've only been investing or trading since you know March of last year or even the middle of last year, again, you've probably been more, it's probably been your success has probably been more of a byproduct of just the the rising tide notion, kind of lifting everything up. Um, but it will, you know, the economics, you know, this economy is cyclical for a reason, right? There's going to be ups and downs, there's going to be contraction and expansion those things are inevitable and for a lot of folks you know i think about you know around my age we were probably too, a little bit too young to feel the effects of 0809 directly right and since then things in general have only gone up you know we've seen some kind of corrections and rebounds but not like the you know the american economy is you know totally um, in the toilet and pulling the financial markets with it, right? So that's something to just keep in the back of your mind. I wouldn't say, I'm certainly not not bearish or right. I'm not thinking that there's going to be a massive downturn. I think it's just, it's good to taper expectations that there's not this notion that, you know, stocks will will go up forever, right? There will be some pullback. And the great thing about it is if you're savvy and opportunistic, you'll have cash when no one else does, and that's when you get to deploy it and really take advantage of it. So I mean, you talk to people that were, you know, buying buying stock or, you know, buying real estate oh eight, oh nine, and they've just seen obviously massive returns. And even just people that were buying March of last year, right? When there was when there was so much uncertainty and fear. You can guarantee there was people that were pouring money into the market. And that essentially it just turned out that you know, they were, everything was a dumpster fire and they were just, you know, <laughs> they were, uh they were picking up everything on the cheap. So that's one thing where when the tide starts turning, don't be afraid of kind of taking a defensive posture um and, you know, locking in some gains and having that cash available for when, you know, for when things really hit the fan and you can, you can pick up some deals on the cheap there. So um kind of all in all, you know, that's, mainly the the overarching message that I kind of wanted to get across here between talking through trading versus investing. I think there is definitely, you know, a benefit to deploying some of both. So like me on the personal level, I have, I have, you know, a brokerage account that is used more on the trading side, right? Of where I'm, you know, buying companies I intend on, you know, maybe playing for a specific event, holding for a couple months, kind of trading in and out of those. and that's it's good experience. I'll tell you that for sure. If you're willing to, you know, stomach some risk and get comfortable with, you know, you log in and you see you're taking a big hit one day, and then the next day it's skyrocketing. Um, then that's something worth dabbling in. And I think it's worth even if you lose a little bit of money. And so you know, let's say you have ten thousand bucks in a brokerage account, and you're you know kind of buying and selling. You're you're trading different different companies. Maybe you lose, say maybe you lose like 250 500 bucks but you learn kind of a wealth of knowledge in terms of understanding like momentum in stocks and, you know, what sort of catalysts actually pan out and, you know, what happens when companies decide to do, you know, like secondary share offerings and how that's detrimental to your, your holdings, right? Things like that where, you know, that's more valuable than going and, you know, paying for, for a, a course on, you know, on the stock market or economics, right? When you're learning firsthand with your money, that is, that's the best experience. And while it can be painful, you know, it's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly beneficial, I think, in the long run. So you kind of look at that, or at least the way I look at it is, you know, it is a little bit kind of paying market tuition. So you are, you, know, you are taking it on the chin a little bit, um, but the, but the knowledge gained is invaluable. So, That's, I would say, you know, kind of striking that balance where going back to the risk side of things, like you want to know if you're trading, you want to know what you're getting into. Right. And you have a plan with it of, Hey, I'm buying the stock at $10. You know, if it, if things go the way I project, this could grow to, you know, maybe this is going to be, we'll see kind of a, a short squeeze or they're going to present good data. And this could run up to, you know, $14 fourteen dollars in the next few weeks or, you know, oh, maybe the market opened and the stock tanked and I think it's gonna rebound within a day. So I'll buy at the bottom and hopefully, you know, trade out of it by the end of the day. Those type of things, if you have that plan and you know like, hey, I'm gonna risk one dollar to make five or something along those lines, like that's in that's like that's that's what trading is. And as long as you kinda of have that knowledge or that plan, then you then you'll be in a good spot, you know, if you stick to it. And hopefully, you know, that'll prevent you from losing all your money essentially. Right. And so you take some, you know, win some, lose some, but it would balance out. Um, I would say though, for the majority of people who are, you know, let's say brand new, you know, you haven't, yeah, you're starting to learn hopefully from the podcast here, starting to learn kind of how to dip your toes into personal finance and getting in the investing world. I would say starting with trading is probably not the best move. Um, I think it's if you do, probably starting with, you know, like a what they call it, paper money accounts, right? Where you're not actually doing it with cash, with your cash. Um, that's not a bad starting point. But the the fact of the matter is, most people don't necessarily want to get as into investing as, you know, somebody like I or others who would, you know, feel comfortable doing some trades would be. So don't feel like you see oh all your friends are you know day trading Dogecoin right that you have to jump in on it and like that it's that you're that you're missing out. I wouldn't don't fall victim to that to that FOMO there. You got to do what you're comfortable with and what you're knowledgeable in. So if you're if you're confident you know you have a plan of I'm gonna invest in these particular funds and I'm gonna put money in it each month you know for the next forty years and retire off it and stick to that plan. You know it's your financial plan is yours, right? It shouldn't be dictated by other folks, people you're seeing on social media. I mean, obviously if you have a financial advisor, I would, you know, lean on their advice. That's the whole point of of having one. But I'd say for the for the everyday person that's not willing to, you know, that can't stomach a lot of risk and aren't willing to take losses, keep that long-term perspective. Aim a little bit more on the investing side of things finding those kind of long-term value plays and you know try to stay away from the day trading side because while trading can be profitable it's only going to be so if you know what you're doing otherwise it's just going to be it's going to be a lot of pain and then you might get you know disenfranchised or just disencouraged uh, or discouraged (laughs) Um, discouraged from being in the financial markets at all which which is a major loss in terms of your kind of long-term ability to, to generate wealth. So, you know, trading is good as a portion of your portfolio. If you know what you're doing, I think balance is still really, really key there, right? Between, you know, you can trade, you know, trade anything from like recent IPOs to Apple, right? So there's still a wide array of risk within that itself, but balance your trading versus investing. And even within the trading space, Balance out that risk there, where you, know, you you aren't you know gambling everything you have on on something that may or may not uh, pan out. So, again, I think the majority of folks listening, especially if if you right now don't have any money in the stock market, you're not familiar with it. I wouldn't recommend your first step being let's jump in and start you know open up a Robinhood account and start day trading. Right? I would start with just learning the market you know, kind of understand like what, you know, what the Dow is, the S&P, the NASDAQ, understand kind of the companies that, you know, are out there, what small versus mid versus, you know, large cap stocks are and kind of growth and risk prospects there. Start with learning before jumping in. It really, the progression I think would go learning to investing to trading, right? And, you know, your time frame might vary on, on kind of how long that takes and what you're comfortable with. But the first part is, you know, the knowledge and planning, right? Is really understanding kind of what your what your goals are, and you know how to achieve them. Um, and then, you know, one thing I would say too, kind of along those lines of like that that investor progression of of learning to investing to trading. It's okay to to mix strategies, to switch them around. Like that was one thing that you know I last year primarily did more trading than investing um, which in hindsight is was probably more of a mistake um just because I missed out on a lot of the a lot of the recovery uh, just the general kind of market recovery right so i've had some you know really good plays work out um but you know in taking on a lot of risk i learned a lot but didn't really gain a lot um i think again, this is a little bit higher level for folks who are a little more well-versed in kind of the investing space, but there are times when it makes sense to, you know, really, really kind of, you know, direct your funds towards the long-term perspective. And then there's opportunities, you know, like, like last March was a, was a phenomenal opportunity to do, you know, much more, much more trading, right. It's just seeing that all stocks were getting beat down. Like what would be, you know, what would be some great plays? Like, Thinking about how, you know, Peloton, for instance, got down to 18, 16 or eighteen bucks a share in March or April, and eventually, you know, at the beginning of this year peaked at something like 140, 160. Um, so I mean that's a massive, massive return. And that's more of a trade, right? Buying in saying, Hey, like, you know, gyms are shutting down, people are gonna need to work out. Who's gonna be, you know, who's potentially a leader in the market? Well, you know, maybe it's Peloton, right? People are gonna want Peloton bikes. Um and you know, buying in when there's a lot of fear. Right. So that's good when there's opportunities that you can pick out, you know, specific companies or a niche of where, you know, if something's getting artificially beat down and there's gonna be, you know, a lot of opportunity that'll that'll, you know, vastly surpass the kind of the market as a whole. So mixing and matching your strategies there, switching based on kind of market dynamics is certainly certainly something that You know that good investors would do. Uh, Again, I would caution for for folks who, you know, maybe you're listening to everything I'm saying and you're like, okay, hold on a second. This is way, way too much, way over my head. Like, I don't want to. Like, I just want to put my money towards something and not have to look at it for a long, long time. Right. That is great for the vast majority of people certainly. I would never never knock that strategy and like I said that's a component of my own portfolio. Anyways, um so if you do that, you know, be comfortable in that. Go ahead and and stick to the long term, stick to what you know. Um invest for the future and then, you know, don't pay attention to the the variance in the interim, right? I'd say you know, if you picture a looking at a at a stock, right? And you see like the ups and downs, right? But over the long haul, you see kind of that, you know, that trend line or that best fit line is sloping up and to the right. So even though it's going up and down, you know, kind of day by day or week by week, it over the long haul is continuing to increase in value. So if you're a long term investor, what you're looking at is that long term best fit line, right? You're looking at up and to the right. That's what you want to see. If you're a trader, you are looking at the the, you know, the ups and downs in the moment, right? So you're buying, you're buying on those dips, you know, you're selling at the peaks, things like that. So your focus is much narrower. So again, both strategies are, are valid. My, of course, the whole point of capital adulting is to provide, you know, financial education, right? Personal finance, investing, it's just meant to be a resource for you to help you, you know, kind of achieve your, your financial goals. So, you have to know what's going to be best for you. Um, And that comes with kind of your knowledge, risk tolerance, confidence. Um, So I'm not putting any formal recommendations out there. Of course, that's not, not what I do here. Um, All I'd say, I would say my only recommendation is know what you're doing, know what you're putting your money towards, Um, understand what the, what the risk is, what you're willing to take on there, what the potential gains are, and just staying cognizant of what's happening in kind of the broader world and uh, the the economic data, right? So see if there is an opportunity to pick up. You know, maybe if you are a long term investor and you see you're really confident in a particular company, maybe there's a chance to buy them on the cheap and kind of mix in. You know, dabble a little bit in the trading side. And maybe if you're you're a trader and all you know that's where all your money's going towards, maybe it makes sense to to play a little bit more conservative and put something into into a fund for the long haul and, and kind of strike a little bit more of a balance there. But all in all, I'd say if you have a financial advisor, always consult them, but balance balance is key. So understanding that piece as well as risk tolerance, I think, and you'll you'll all be successful in what you're doing um, in the long run. So that is it for me in terms of talking about trading versus investing. Um, you know, hopefully this is prompted a little, you know, maybe self-reflection on kind of what you're currently doing. And if you are, you know, one of those who it's like, oh, I found some great people on Twitter that I follow. And whenever they say buy, I buy, and they say sell, I sell, you know, maybe this gives you a little bit of a pause and a time for self-reflection just to, you know, ensure that you're putting your your funds, you know, towards the right things. So as always, I appreciate y'all making the time Um, if you ever have, you know, any feedback, feel free to, to send me an email grants at capital Um, check out the other podcast episodes here. Um, and if you have a moment to review or just leave feedback on the podcast as a whole, that would be much appreciated. But until next time, take care.